You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We believe God is going to meet you right where you are today as you listen and dig into His Word. greatest roles as believers, as Christians, are being those who embody truth, being those that live out not just what we say, meaning we are to be the expression of God in the earth today. We're to embody and be a tangible, evident, visible form to who he is, his truth in the earth today. And as the church, 1 Peter 2, 9 says, we're to show forth his praises, the one who called us out of darkness. Psalm 145 says that we are to praise or to commend to one another who God is. As we just witnessed in in some of those videos that we are praising and commending God to one another from one generation to the next. And he is faithful. This is what it means to never give up, to never stop declaring and embodying the truth. As families, we speak the truth to our children, right? As fathers and mothers, as grandparents, we speak the truth to those that are coming behind us of who they are in Christ. As friends, we speak the truth so that we can encourage our brothers and sisters to persevere and to hold on to their faith. As Christians, we we speak the truth against the lie of culture and the lie of the devil to say that God is good and that he is faithful and that he never fails. We continue to speak the truth. We are speaking things in faith before they have come to fruition. I'll say that again. We are speaking things in faith before they come to fruition. We are speaking prophetically, if you will. This is really who we are corporately as a church, that we are going to say things we believe before we see those things that we believe. So we keep saying them. We keep speaking them out of faith before they come to fruition. That's what Galatians 6 that we just were singing about. Galatians 6, 9. Don't grow weary in doing well. Don't grow weary in doing good. And that isn't just what I do. It's also what I say and what I believe because in due season, you're gonna reap if you don't give up. And that's not magic, that's not manipulation, that is the power of remembering and declaring and holding fast to the promises of God. That is praying, believing, speaking, living, and trusting in a God who is always faithful. Somebody can say amen to that today. I don't know if you've ever spent much time in another country where there's a language barrier. But if you have, you understand how difficult it can be to communicate. I remember, and not just communicate, but communicate clearly, to communicate that this is what I want or this is what I'm trying to do. I remember one of the, or the first international trip that I ever took. I was a freshman in college. I was with my college choir and we went to Spain. 
We were over there for quite some time. And I remember one night, and I mean, like I said, I'd never been out of the country. I'd had like Spanish one and Spanish two in high school. Uh, and that was about it for me. Uh, and, and so we're in Spain. And one night, a group of us, a small group of us, were going out to eat. And then we're looking at the menus that we don't really know how to read. So what do you do? You look at the pictures, right? So we try to find something that we uh, recognize and that we think we can eat. And usually that landed on hamburgers. And so um, we are ordering hamburgers um, and there's a there's a girl in our group who is adamant that she does not want her burger to be rare like just adamant and I'm like you know I'm down with that but we didn't know really how to communicate that to our waiter or waitress or whatever it is she just kept saying no rojo no rojo no rojo now I don't know if you know what that translates to but it's probably not very clear to that person or else they were just didn't care at that point. So anyway, we order our food and, and hers comes out and it is just a bloody rare. I don't know really what happened there, all, but we were trying to say, please don't make it rare, or she was. And uh, it didn't quite come out that way. There was some sort of loss of clarity in our translation there. And this was way before the day, before all of you start laughing, of smartphones and Google Translate. We didn't have that. There was nobody there. So if you've ever been to a place like that or a, another country, you, you either need to know the language or you need a really good translator. I've been to, had the privilege of being to a lot of different countries where I didn't speak that native language, whether it was Cuba, the Philippines, Latvia, Russia, South Africa, Mexico, Haiti, United Arab Emirates, and I've been to these places and I've had the privilege of being there, but the only time I ever really felt comfortable was when I had a really good translator who was maybe translating a message I was preaching or, or just translating to figure out what I wanted to order or what I needed to do, and that was something that I needed to navigate this place that I was in that I didn't really belong. But check this out. I don't care if you ever leave the city of Evans, Georgia or Augusta, Georgia or wherever you live. I don't care if you ever leave this place. You are currently living in another country where there is a massive language barrier. You're currently speaking, if you're speaking the truth prophetically as the church, a language that the world does not understand. So the reality is, because we are from a different country, we need a good translator. Listen, all y'all are aliens. Every single one of us. That's what the Bible tells us. And there's a massive language barrier. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're from another country. And this place is not our home. Our citizenship, the Bible says, is in heaven. Hebrews 11, and speaking to Christians walking by faith who were struggling and didn't see everything that they had hoped to see while they were walking by faith on this earth. It says, instead, they were longing for a better country. A heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. If we push this metaphor just a little bit further today, language we're supposed to speak, the language we are supposed to speak as the church is truth. Our dictionary is the Bible, God's word, and our Google translator is the Holy Spirit. 
the one who illuminates his word to us and helps us to speak truth when and where into the opportunities of the spaces that we go. Philippians 2.15 encourages us, then you will be pure and without blame. You will be children of God without fault among sinful and evil people. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. The question to ask is, what are our mouths saying in our lives displaying to the world around us? Is it clear or is it confusing when it comes to shining the truth in the light of God? Paul is specifically saying in this verse about the corporate witness of the United Church. What he's saying in the previous verse, he says, without grumbling and without complaining. That's what he said. Like, without grumbling or complaining amongst yourselves, if you could do that, you could shine like the stars to the world around us. Why? Because it is the language of the place that we live in, grumbling and complaining. And the language of truth, the language of our other home, is actually gratitude and joy. He's just saying, listen, this is a united body that the world sees and clearly comprehends that's different than what I've experienced. And here's what we have to understand. Our lives as God's people, the church, our church, my people, as this whole series is called, is a visible representation of God in the earth. Today, we are supposed to be prophetically witnessing to, testifying to, about the way and the truth and the life and that that is Jesus Christ. That's what we're witnessing to. That's what we're prophetically speaking about. How he has changed us. How he has, how he's come into our lives and made something new in us. How we're trusting him. This is what we're speaking about. We're called to be prophets in the earth today. Speaking the truth of God's word. We're in week three of our series, My People where we have been looking at what it means to be the people of God in the earth today, the church. That's what we're saying, we're, we're the church. We are God's people, therefore we are one another's people. Specifically speaking, this church in focus is my immediate family. I've got lots of extended family all over the world, all over the city. I got cousins, I got aunts and uncles everywhere, right? I've got an extended family, but this is my immediate family. It's a local expression of Christ's body. That's who we are, my people. Let's say it together. We'll put it up on the screen. We've been saying this is kind of the mantra of this whole series. You, you are, hello, okay, here you go, let's start over. You are my people because we are his people. That's what makes us a family. That's what makes us one. Now, as God's people, how do we shine like stars? How do we show forth the praises of God in the world around us where there's darkness? Primarily, we are all divine image bearers of God. And we've been talking about what that divine image bearer looks like, prophet, priest, and king. We started with kings, right? You were supposed to be young kings, because we're all young in the eyes of eternity. Young kings doing unpopular things through what? Some sort of a type of authority that we're lording over? No, by humbly taking the authority Christ has given us and serving one another. Young kings humbly doing unpopular things. We talked about being priests last week, where we mediate the presence of God into every space and place that we go. We're, we're carrying the presence of God with us. And today I want to talk about being young prophets. 
Let me give you a definition or our definition of prophet this morning, what I mean when I say that for today in our context. A prophet is someone who hears God's word, speaks on behalf of him to his people, and embodies his truth. A prophet is one who hears God's word, speaks God's word to his people, and embodies God's truth to his people. Where Adam and Eve failed to do this, where Israel failed to do this, as we've talked about, as they failed at this, they couldn't obey perfectly. They didn't do all that God had, had asked of them. They couldn't fulfill every law and embody the truth of the earth perfectly. Where they failed, Jesus finally came and did it all perfectly. The success of Jesus, we would call him the perfect prophet, created a new humanity. You know what the amazing news is? That new humanity is you and I. That new humanity is the church today in the earth. That is the new creation that that Jesus created, if you will, when he came and lived his perfect life as the perfect prophet. We are those new creations. And we're called to embody God's truth and communicate it to those around us. And the same problem exists today. Here's the problem. The same problem exists today when Jesus fulfilled his role as prophet. Truth is a foreign language in this world. The same problem that Jesus went through, that they didn't understand. Why? Because he was speaking a foreign language. And here's the problem a lot of times for us is we get comfortable speaking another language that really isn't our home language. And all of a sudden, there's no shining and there's no showing forth praise. We're not actually being a prophetic voice in the earth today as a church. God's truth is what we're supposed to be speaking. And Jesus had the same problem that you and I have. Not sure this is true? Well, Jesus spoke it this way. In John chapter 8, verse 43, why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Here's the truth right now. Jesus is speaking the truth. The church is supposed to speak the truth. But the language of the world is a language of lies. So how do we, me, you, the church, my people, how do we go about being the church, being a prophetic voice in the earth today, that a, a place that is filled with deceit and lies, that's deaf to the truth, as Jesus said, that's speaking another language? How do we do this? First, we follow in the footsteps of our Savior. First, we follow him and see what Jesus did, and we follow in his footsteps, not as a prescriptive thing, like here's, here's what you're going to do to do this. No, this is descriptive. This is describing who we already are in Christ. I'm not prescribing what you need to do to become. I am, I am describing who you are in Christ already. King, priest, prophet. So this is who we are. We follow in his footsteps. So let's actually go back and briefly look at Jesus' 40-day wilderness experience, which is a microcosm, if you will, of Israel's 40-year wilderness wandering. What they could not do in 40 years, Jesus comes and he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and he does perfectly. Jesus won where Adam and Eve and Israel failed. 
So we can look at Luke 4. It's in a, diff, a, a different gospels, but I, we'll take Luke 4 today. Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Spirit. So this is God's plan. Sometimes we go to the wilderness by God's design. Nobody amen that. Okay. So in Luke 4, verse 3, we see the first punch thrown by the enemy. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. He's questioning something that's very clear and that Jesus could have easily proved. He is in fact the son of God. Satan's throwing a haymaker, if you will, trying to get Jesus to stop trusting in his father and act independently of his father to prove his identity. But Jesus responds by what? Not speaking a different language, but speaking the truth of God's word. From Deuteronomy 8.3, he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the father. That's how I'm going to live. And as the perfect prophet, Jesus didn't go off page and say, I got this. Let me do a little spontaneous freestyling right now. See, that's what we often do. Let me do a little freestyling. Let me give you my opinion. Well, that's probably not going to help. But if I actually could tell you what it says in the truth of God's word about what we're talking about, about what we're dealing with, about what we're walking through, that actually can change your heart, your life, your mind, and your future. This is something that Jesus, let me just go off the tangent for a second. This is in my notes. A lot of times we would rather get something new than actually believe something that's old. Give me another word. Give me something else. Let me hear something new. And I'm not talking, saying that it's, it's not great. I've had tons of prophetic words spoken over me in my life that have encouraged me. And that's something that is helpful and encouraging to the body of Christ and is needed. But almost whatever, I can't remember what the percentage of them might be. Almost all of them came back to something that I could concretely hold on to in God's word. And what Jesus is saying is, look, it's not time for the, the jazz musician to go off on a 45-minute spontaneous solo, just play what's on the page. And what's on the page is, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Father. As prophet, what did he do? He spoke God's word and he embodied the truth. He didn't just speak it, he actually then just lived it. As prophets of the earth today, collectively as the church, we must spend time in and meditate on God's word, the Bible. How do you trust in what you do not know? How do you stand on promises that you're unfamiliar with? We put our faith in God's word and we believe in his provision as we've heard in multiple testimonies this morning for he is going to provide for us in every way, his word says, in Christ. Punch number two from the devil, Luke chapter four, verse five. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their, all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see, the type of worship that the devil desires is the type of worship that only God deserves. He desires what only God deserves. And so he's going to continue to speak in such a way that you would give him what you're only supposed to give unto the Lord. The glory that is due only his name. 
So Jesus speaks the truth of God's word by now again quoting Deuteronomy 6.13 and he remained faithful to God. But how do we do so when we're tempted to worship anything and everything but God in this world? We're tempted to worship ourselves. We worship ourselves, we worship our stuff, we worship our possessions, our children, our careers, our calling, everything. Hobbies, food, shoes, music. What, don't worry, I could keep going on until I hit whatever you're idolizing, right? We'll just keep going. And we can worship those things over God. Like I said a few weeks ago, we're really good at taking good things and removing the O and making it God. They're not bad, they're just not God. Only God is God. And so Jesus didn't do that. He didn't worship anything else above God's primary place as the pinnacle of worship. And we shouldn't either. He basically said, listen, this is who God is and this is who I'm going to worship. Now that's over. So he throws the last punch, Luke chapter 4. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Here Satan basically is saying, manipulate God. Force his hand. Act independently of God the Father instead of dependently on him. But Jesus again spoke the truth of God's word, effectively defeating the enemy by faith in God's promises. So together with the cross and his death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus' obedience begins the defeat of the devil, which we, the church, right now, collectively as the prophetic voice of God in the earth today, are to continue to live out and declare the victory that Christ won in the wilderness and on the cross and when he rose again. We are declared the truth, to declare the victory, and to live it out in our lives. All of humanity is either the image of the first Adam or the last Adam, which is who Jesus is called. All of us. There's no in-between. Isn't it amazing that the world, I believe, because I, I can attest in my own life, that isn't it amazing that the world suffers collectively from an identity crisis? And we're supposed to be raising a loud, loving voice in the church that says your ultimate identity and ethnicity, if you will, is as a child of God. All the things that we are and that God created us that is beautiful, we take all of that with us and we take all of that with us to heaven. But our primary identity is that of being in Christ as God's child. You are God's people, his sons, his daughters, his treasured possession. Jesus has commissioned us, his church in the earth, to be a prophetic witness to the world that these truths are true and so many more. You know, typically after a commissioning service, we've been commissioned, right? Typically after a commissioning service, you feel pretty good about whatever it is that you're going to do, right? I'm going to commission you to be this or commission you to do this in the military or whatever job you might be. Like, I feel good. I've been commissioned. Well, in the case of the disciples, I'm not so sure how they felt after they were commissioned. Matthew chapter 10. This is their commissioning service to go be the prophetic voice in the earth as the church. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues, beaten. 
On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. You see that? Jesus' disciples were commissioned to be the mouthpiece of God to the world. And even their adversaries, because they weren't getting invited into the king's courts to have a dinner or a a black tie gala. They were being invited in because they were going to decide whether or not they were going to die, be imprisoned, or cast out of the city. But there's a prize to pay for fulfilling their calling. The words of the disciples are the very words of Jesus and the words of Jesus are the very words of God the Father. And as Jesus' disciples today, we are to speak God's word and embody his truth. But here's what we all need to understand. There will be a price to pay whenever you do that. How are we going to avoid what Jesus said was going to happen to the church. Let me give you basically three words that I see how we live this out or how we're gonna go about being the prophetic voice, the prophetic church today. First of all, we behold. We behold. This is all of us, all of us can behold. Everybody on the earth can behold the glory of God. They can see it in some shape or fashion. And we become most like what we most esteem. What we gaze at, what we meditate on, what we think about throughout the day, that's what we become like. 2 Corinthians 3.18. If that was the case, I might turn into some food. Because I, I think about food a lot. I'll just be honest. Amen. We all, with unveiled faces, Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Beholding the glory of the Lord is a present tense, ongoing action, not a one-time thing. It's ongoing. And so is being transformed. It's not a one-time thing. It's ongoing for the rest of your life here. So for the rest of our lives, what do we need to do? We have to find every way possible that we can behold the glory of God in his word, in corporate worship, in communion, in one another as we look at each other and live with each other and all around us in creation that we will behold the glory of God. This is something we're supposed to be doing. Thank you, Jennifer. I see Jennifer over there a lot. She's like doing like this, like what? Where is everybody? First service blues, that's what it is. I got up so early, why didn't I come to the 1115 service? It's great to behold, but secondly, we can't stop there. We have to also believe. Do you know who also believes? It's right up there. Even demons believe. But yet, that's still the place that we have to go next. We behold, all of us can, and we believe. Until we actually believe in the Son of God, it does no good just to gaze at him. I can see it, I just don't believe it. We've all been there. And plenty of people, I can see Jesus, I just don't believe in Jesus. John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, many beheld, but not all believed. 
We have to believe in Christ, in God, in his word, in his truth, in his promises. Romans 10 says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. This is what I'm talking about. This is the prophetic witness of the church. It's not just that I've been saved. Now I'm going to prophesy. Now I'm going to talk about it. Now I'm going to speak about it. Now I'm going to live about it. I am being the prophetic witness of who we are supposed to be in the earth today. But that's not the end either. Because as I said, even demons believe. That's what James James 3 says. Thirdly, we must become. Or I actually like the word embody better. But so there could be three B's there. Become. We believe, we behold, we believe, we become. This is where the few, the narrow path, the chosen people come in. This is the place where transformation actually takes place. We behold, we believe, and we become. We embody the truth. That's what the prophetic does, right? That's what the prophet does. We prophetically speak the truth into every situation, but that is why embody is not just what we say, it's how we live. It's what we look like. It's what other people behold in our lives when people see Christ and believe in him and then want to become what they see in us. I don't just say it. But now you can behold who I am in Christ. And if you can behold who I am in Christ by what I prophetically also do, then maybe you will believe. And if you will believe, then you will become just like Christ as well. Becoming looks like this. When we, the church, do things that are both simple. Isn't it amazing that it's simple and difficult at the same time in the the kingdom of God? It's just simple. Love each other. That's difficult. Simple and difficult. All at the same time. And here's what we're supposed to do. Love one another, serve one another, prefer one another, live in unity with one another. And we speak as prophets whose collective voice reverberates throughout the cosmos when we do that. Let's read Ephesians 3.10, verse 8 and 9. Paul is speaking about his call to preach to the Gentiles and its miraculous result. He said, his intent was that now, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Do you see this? Through the church, through my people, our people, God's people, we are making known the mystery Of ages past, verse 9 says, by proclaiming it to the world and the rulers and authorities in heavenly heavenly realms. What's the mystery? That we can actually live in unity. The mystery that through the gospel, the Gentiles are now heirs together with the Jews, members together of one body, shares together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That's the mystery. And when we live in unity with one another, The church is a mirror reflecting the glory of God back to the angels and to all of hell. This is the mystery of God. And they see the church. They see you and I. They see us loving each other when we have every reason not to. And they just go, wow. That's the power of the gospel. That's amazing. God, how do you do that? We are Prophetically speaking, why do we we need to prophetically speak to the heavenly realms? Because I believe this matter is a spiritual battle. 
This isn't just a battle of flesh and blood. We know that. Every time we speak and live truth, particularly when it comes to unity, the Bible says it testifies to heaven and hell that Jesus came and broke the curse of the Tower of Babel and that at verse 9 says the division and the fractures of ages past had been put aside. The Gentiles would now turn to God, the God of Israel, and be saved just like it was prophesied in the Old Testament. They would come together and be one. Equal footing at the cross. And here's the interesting thing. The Jews knew that it had been prophesied that the Gentiles would come to know the Lord. What was unexpected is that they would all be equal. We as the church are a visible manifestation of unity in the church. That God's restored people from every nation, tribe, and tongue can worship Jesus together from equal footing at the cross. So our prophetic ministry in this area is mind-boggling and probably why it's so viciously attacked. We are compelled to embody unity in all that we do. The church is prophetically and presently declaring that the new age in Christ has come. When he rose from the grave, it's here. Practical implications are obvious and I'll close. Do we love one another despite our differences? Do we disparage people simply because they don't look like us or from another nation, another ethnicity, another background? Do we think less of or speak ill of people because they're poor or from a different socioeconomic background? See, when we do this, we're not being prophetic at all. But we are reverting to the old age of division and fracture. We're all coming to Christ on the level of the footing of the cross, so we have to proclaim it such. This is who we are, equal in God's sight. Do we cause division in our church? Do we gossip, backbite, slander? Do we sow seeds of disunity in the congregation? What about our marriages? What about our homes? Are they spaces of peace and love and unity? Because of our union in Christ, all those who are in Christ are also prophets and witnesses to the divine truth that God is the God of all. There was a prophecy that Peter declared in Acts 2 from Joel where he said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So the office of prophet is not something Jesus kept to himself, but he has commissioned his disciples with the mantle of proclaiming his words through our mouths and through our lives today. That we would hear God's word, that we would speak God's word, and that we would embody and live out God's word. This is why embodying what we behold and believe is so important. Our actions as the church are prophetic and they have an enormous impact. The old saying of actions speak louder than words are never as true as they are for the people of God in the earth today. Whenever we act antithetical to God's truth, whenever we behave in a way that is divisive, we prophetically declare that the gospel of unity has no real impact on our daily lives. But when the church, the people of God, maintain unity in our homes and in our churches, 
where we maintain unity in our communities. When we come together as one, we are prophetically declaring to the rulers and the authorities that we are new creations in a new age that was ushered in when Christ defeated the enemy in the wilderness and when Christ defeated the enemy on the cross and that we are declaring that that new age is even going to be more manifested in the age to come. That the gospel commands us to speak prophetically and it is both truth and love. It is both spoken and lived. It's tangible, verifiable evidence of what we have beheld, what we have believed, and what we have become. And what we are becoming. The more we live in the power of the not yet, this is what I would like to say today. The more we live in the power of the not yet, which is prophetically speaking, maybe what we don't see yet, but what we say and what we believe the more we live there of who we are in Christ who we're going to be in Christ as we speak things over our children and over our families and over our our communities and our friends the more we live in what we are supposed to be the more of the prophetic witness we are in the church the more we dwell on what we are or what we used to be the more we're agreeing with ages past but the new has come I love the new beginnings. Behold, something new has come, and it's come in Christ. So we keep on saying things even if we ain't seeing things. I know that's not great English, but keep on saying until you see it. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on speaking in faith until it comes to fruition, and it will all be done. Here's the great news. It will all be done according to God's word. It's going to happen. We're going to be a beautiful community of believers in the earth. We're going to be a beautiful church serving people just like young kings doing unpopular things to the glory of God. We're going to be young priests, what, mediating the presence of God into every space that we go. We're going to be young prophets speaking the truth and embodying the truth by how we live in such a way that says, look, there is a God who loves you and you can behold him, you can believe in him, and you can become like him as the word says. And we just do that as the church. I just want to encourage you today, even as I was watching and listening to the worship team and seeing all those images of, and really all that was, was supposed to, hey, generations of people in this, even in this place, but generations even far beyond what we can even remember. Praising God to the next. You have been listening to the In Focus Church podcast. We hope God met you right where you're at today. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you're listening from and visit infocuschurch.org for more on all that's going on in the life of our church.